Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16. We're continuing our study of what we're calling the sayings of Peter. We've seen various statements made by Peter and the events. And so what our goal is is that we'd see the statements of Peter, we'd understand what they mean in the context, how it all fits, and then we'd try to make application. And we begin last week seeing one of the... I think one of the key statements in the Bible where Jesus asked the question, who do the people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter made the big, you know, his fifth fifth statement that we've seen. He said, you're the Christ, the Son, the living God. But then Jesus says something to Peter. I think it's important that we see what Jesus said and how that fits together. And we'll see that there's a couple of statements. One, something about upon this rock I will build my church and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and the gates of Hades will not. And then I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. and that's kind of, So we're going to see how all that fits together as we, as we go through it. So one of the most famous verses that we always study is 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved to God of work may need not be ashamed, handling accurately the word of God. Paul tells us to dig the scripture. He tells us so that we can be approved and handle accurately the word of God. In other words, we need to understand and know how the Bible fits together. And it takes study to know and understand. And that's one of the things we're all supposed to do is study the Bible to dig it so we can understand the flow of the Bible and how the truths fit together. And when you think about it, you go all the way back from Adam and Eve on to, Ab- to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. Joseph on down to David and then to Daniel and John the Baptist and Jesus and Peter and Paul and John and and the flow and the divisions, how the whole Bible just fits together. Uh, But one of the great truths from the Bible that a lot of people don't grasp or understand is the idea of the church. And so we raise this question, what is the church? And when we say the church, the church is made up of those who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, both Jews and Gentiles, and it's called the body of Christ, which is really unusual. And the reason we say that it is unusual, because in the past, there were Gentiles and there were Jews, but now there's this group which is the body of Christ, which is one body made up of Jews and Gentiles. And one thing we find as we, as we uh, raise this question, or let me go back here, um, so we raise the question, when did this church begin? Well, the church is not mentioned in the Old Testament. So if you read uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel and David and Joe, all of those people, they, there's no mention of a church. There's no such thing. They don't know anything about it. If you actually read the prophecy of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, where Daniel tells when the Messiah is going to come and gives the timeline of prophecy, if you study that, we're not mentioned. In fact, after the death of the Messiah, in Daniel's timeline, it goes straight to the tribulation. There is no mention of us. So the Old Testament never mentions us. The church is the body of Christ, which began on the day of Pentecost, which is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So what, what you see there is this, that us, the body of Christ, we're actually a parenthesis. If you read the Old Testament, it goes from the death of the Messiah straight to the tribulation, straight to the kingdom. What we know is it went from the death of the Messiah to the church to the tribulation to the kingdom. So we're never mentioned. And Jesus is going to mention it in this passage. He's going to talk about what, what's going on, what's happening there. And so we'll see that. So this morning we're going to, we're going to see two, two statements made by Jesus and, and how that ties together. Now, the, the two statements that are sometimes misunderstood is upon this rock, I will build my church. And then if you notice, to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now I want to say one thing before we get any further into this. Peter, there's, there's something about upon this rock, I will build my what? My church. 
The next verse says, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And guess what? Peter did get the keys of the kingdom. But notice he didn't say, I'll give you the keys of the church. And there's a little difference here. Because you've got a bunch of people that teach that Peter is the pope and he's the head of the church because he's been given the keys of the kingdom. No, the keys of the kingdom and the church are two different things. And so we're going to see how this fits together. In fact, one, one, one statement deals with the church. Uh, upon this rock I will build my church. The other statement deals with the kingdom. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So how does this fit together? So let's get a little review to see the flow of what's going on. Jesus is with the men. They're way up north in Caesarea Philippi, and they've been talking. And so Jesus raises the two questions. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And who do you say that I am? So he asked the question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And by, by saying Son of Man, we already know that's the title of, a, of the Messiah who will set up a kingdom that will never end. That's from the book of Daniel. So to say the Son of Man, he is saying, I'm the king who will set up a kingdom that will never end. He says, who do the people say that I am? Who do they think that I am? And, of course, they said John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Nobody really, really knew. And so then he asked the second question, but who do you say that I am? And of course, it's Peter. We're looking at the sayings of Peter. Peter always talks. He's the, he's the leader. He will always say, sometimes he says great things. Sometimes he says not so great things. This happens to be a great thing. And so he said, but who do, y'all, who do you say that I am? And in verse 16, if you look of Matthew, uh, of, of Matthew chapter 16, he says, Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And so that's his fifth saying. We've already seen four others up to this point. We're just going through a study on different things Peter said. He said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, that's a powerful statement. And we spent a good bit of time with it last week, but I want you to see that when he says you're the Christ, that's saying the Messiah. The, the, the New Testament word Christos, that's a Greek word, it means Christ. The Old Testament word is Mashiach. It's Hebrew, and it means, well, we say translate it Messiah. And the Messiah and the Christ are the same thing. They're both a title. They mean the anointed one of God. We said last time, and we spent some time, we've seen it actually even on Sunday morning in the life of David and Solomon and all that, about being anointed. We said that the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, is the anointed prophet, priest, and king. In the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings were anointed, but no one had all three offices. Jesus Christ, the anointed one of God, has all three offices. He is the prophet, who speaks the word of God. He is the living word of God. He is the priest who offers himself as the final sacrifice for sin. And he is the one who lives forever to make intercession for us as the mediator. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords who will come and rule in righteousness and justice. So when Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he's saying, you're the anointed one, the one the Bible talked about, who would be the prophet, priest, and king, the Messiah, the savior of the world, the Christ. That's who he's really saying. And then he said, you're the son of the living God. And he's actually saying, Jesus, you're God. Now, somebody could actually say, well, I think the Messiah is a great person who's a prophet, priest, and king. They could say, but, but that's not true. The Messiah is God. And Peter recognizes that and says, not only are you the Christ, but you're the son of the living God. You're God. 
That's who you are. You're the Messiah and the Savior. There's so much in this passage that we could even go with the details on, but we just want you to get this. This is the background. So he says, uh, who do the people say that I am? Well, they think you're, uh, you know, uh, John the Baptist or, uh, uh, you know, uh, Elijah or Isaiah or some prophet. Well, Jeremiah, you're some one of those, but who do you think that I am? And Peter stands out with the group and says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Every one of us in this room, you believe that. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Savior of the world, that he's the Christ. He's the prophet, the priest, and the king, the prophet who is the word of God, the priest who offered himself as the sacrifice and the coming king of kings and Lord of lords. You believe that. You believe that he's the Christ, and you believe he's the son of the living God. You believe that he is God, that he is God in the flesh, that he left the glories of heaven, the, the God became a human being, the God-man, Jesus Christ. So you believe what Peter said. If you read the Gospel of John... At the very end, he says, God, John writes in chapter 20, he says, there are many other signs Jesus did that are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing in him, you might have life. He, the same thing. And so that, that's the message. The message is that Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the one that we believe in that gives us eternal life. Now, what's, uh, the next verse is really a little bit of a strange verse because Jesus says to Peter, notice in verse 17, and Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Barjona means son of Jonah. It means Peter's daddy's name was Jonah. He says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father's in heaven. He says, listen, you didn't grasp all this and understand this by yourself. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father. It's God helping you grasp it. And we know this, that none of us could understand anything, not only about salvation, but the Bible, unless God, the Holy Spirit, first of all, convicted us of sin, righteousness, judgment, so we believe in him for eternal life, and the Holy Spirit would illuminate the Scripture as we study it and as we put it together. So the truth is this. We wouldn't know hardly anything. Uh, in fact, that's why that the Holy Spirit convicts the, the world, the unbelieving world, of the fact that they have not believed in Jesus. That's why when you share your faith, do not get off on tangents about anything about Jonah and the, you know, you know, all that mess. Go back and keep staying with the truth. Who is Jesus Christ? What did he do? And believe in him for eternal life. You stay on that message because that's what the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of that they have not believed in Christ. Now, with all this background, which we have to get a little bit, what are the statements? Because then Peter, uh, then Jesus said, look at verse 18. I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, those two verses, we could spend weeks on that. We're going to hit on it. We're going to hit the first one this morning, and we're going to get verse 19 next time, and we're going to see how these things fit together. But he says upon this rock, he's, hey, what's Peter's name mean? Rock. Okay, let's just say it this way. I say to you, you're a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. If you read it that way, you go, ooh, something about Peter there. And then I will give you, who is he talking to, by the way? It's Peter. It's not a bunch of people. It's Peter. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to talk about what does all this mean. So the two questions, uh, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, okay? Here's two famous statements. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And he says, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I build my church. And Peter, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, I want you to understand something immediately, that the church and the kingdom are not the same thing. 
The church is the body of Christ made up of Jews and Gentiles in one body. The kingdom is the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. All people, Old Testament, New Testament, everybody's together that are believers in this kingdom. Okay, so they're two different things. So you you don't you can't really put the verses together. They talk about two different things. So let's start with the one that everybody's confused about. I mean, there's the largest religious group in the world is confused about this. The largest religious group in the world is the Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church believes that Peter is the rock and that he's the pope of the church and the church is based off Peter and whoever Peter has handed this information down to and it comes all the way down to a pope. The, you know, anybody know what pope means? It means papa. It means daddy. The pope is the daddy of the church. And if you talk to a Roman Catholic, if you talk to Catholic, I took a class in Dallas Seminary on Roman Catholic theology. I had their book that they use in their seminary, and they believe that Peter is the first pope and that he's the church is built on him, and he has passed down throughout history people who would take that responsibility. That's what they believe. Now, they use the verse that says, and Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. I'm sorry, uh, I was, verse 18. I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So what does he mean? Upon this rock, I will build my church. You are Peter. Well, here's their three views. I'm going to give you all three views. I'll tell you which one that I hold to, and, and so we'll see it. The first one is, you are Peter. This is the statement, you are Peter, and upon this rock. So the first view is that, whoops, the first view is that Peter is the rock and Jesus builds the church upon him. That's the Catholic view. Catholic view is that you are the rock, Peter. The church is built on you. You're the first leader of the church. You're the Pope and everything's going to be passed down through you. Now, uh, up until this point right here, and he says, uh, upon this rock, I'll build my church. This is the first mention of the church in the Bible. It, it's a mystery. So when he says, I'll build my church, they probably went, what? what did he say? What's the church? Because the word church is ekklesia. Ek means out of. Kaleo means called, the called out ones. It was used for an assembly. If we said everybody's going to meet in the auditorium, the Greek word would be ekklesia, to, to gather a group together. So the church is a gathered group together. That's what it is. It happens to be the body of Christ. We got a lot more information. So the first view is that Peter is the rock. Now, here's the problem. When you look at it in English, does it look like Peter's the rock? Yes or no? Yeah, it does. You're the rock. Peter, you're the rock, and upon this rock. But when you look at it in the original language, Greek, it's not, it's not the same. In fact, the word for Peter is Petros, which means a little rock. It means a pedal. It means a small stone. It would be something you could pick up and throw. And he says, but upon this rock, it's a different Greek word. It's the word Petra which means a boulder or a cliff or a big rock. He doesn't say, you're Peter, the rock, and upon the rock, Peter, I'll build my church. He says, you're the rock, Peter, little rock, and upon the big rock, I will build my church. So the first view, I think, is wrong simply because he doesn't say, Peter, you're the rock I'm building my church on. He says, you're a little rock, but I'm building the church on a big rock. Does that make sense? That's the first view. Here's the second view. The second view is that the big rock is Christ. He says, you are rock, 
Peter, the little rock, and upon this rock, Christ, I will build my church, the foundation stone. We already know that Jesus is called the foundation stone. If you read in Ephesians, it says that he is the foundation, uh, he's the cornerstone, he's the foundation of the, pro- of the church along with the apostles and prophets. Christ is the cornerstone. So some would say that the rock here is Christ, he's the foundation. He says, you're Peter, little rock, but upon the big rock, Jesus himself, he will build the church. That's a great view. And uh, I, I, let's say this, could I hold to that view? I could definitely hold to that view because I think he's saying, Peter, you're the little rock, but upon the big rock, that's me. I'm going to build my church. So that's the second view. And so uh, I, I think that's a really, really good view. There is a third view that I want you to see as well. And the third view is it's a statement of faith by Peter. He said, you're the Christ, he said, you're the Christ, the Son of God, and all who believe in Jesus the Savior. The, the statement is the big rock. He said, you're Peter, the little rock, and upon this rock, your statement that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon that statement, I will build my church. And so the third view is saying, Peter, you're little rock. The big rock is your statement of faith saying, I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a really good view as well. Either one of those could fit. Uh, You could say, I think that the big rock is Jesus, or I think the big rock is faith in Jesus, calling him the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, and that's how the church will be built. So it's a powerful statement. So you're Christ, the Son of God. And so that's how uh, you you could take... Let me tell you this. The the, The two that fit the Bible are the second two. The first one doesn't fit the Bible because Peter is the little rock and, and upon the big rock he builds the church. So that doesn't fit. And, and we're going to see more about that. In fact, and here's another thing. Did Peter recognize himself as the head of the church? Did you, do you see that anywhere in Scripture? In fact, most likely Peter says, I, I better sit down and shut up before I mess up anything, right? And when Peter writes his letter... He calls himself, when he writes in First and Second Peter, he calls himself a fellow elder. He writes to the elders, and he calls himself a fellow elder. He doesn't call himself Papa. He doesn't call himself the Pope. He doesn't call himself the Big Rock. He calls himself a fellow elder with the other believers. So it doesn't fit Scripture, and it doesn't fit history, uh, the, the first view. The second view or the third view, either one of those could work. Uh, I, I, I like them both. Uh, in fact... Uh, knowing Jesus, the way he said it, he could have meant both at the same time. You know, I'm the rock, and upon the belief in me, the whole church is going to be built, okay? The second thing that he says, and this is the key, I will build my church. The church will be built in the future. When When Jesus says this in Matthew 16, there is no church. This is the first mention, and the church hasn't been established yet. Does that make sense? Look what he says. He says, I say to you, you're the rock, and I, and I will, future tense, build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So we have, we think about it, we have at this point the nation of Israel and the Gentiles. Soon there will be Jews and Gentiles in one body, which is called the church. When Paul writes, he says, give no offense to the Jew, the Gentile, and to the church of God. When we start the Bible... At Adam and Eve, the only people in the whole world are Gentiles. 
When you get to Genesis chapter 12, God chooses Abraham, Abram, and you have a group called the Jews. That's Abraham is the, the, the ones that cross over, uh, the Hebrews. They're also called Israelites. They're also called uh, Jews because Jews comes from Judah. And so that group of people said so that you have Gentiles and you have Jews. And now those who believe in Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile, placed into one body called the church. And so there are three people groups on the earth today, Jews, Gentiles, and the church, those three things. Pete, Jesus says, I say to you, you're a little rock, Peter, and upon the big rock, whatever that may be, it's either him or his statement, I will build my church, future tense, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So notice it, it, it hadn't happened yet. And if you think about the flow that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, walked on the earth 40 days, ascended into heaven. Ten days after his ascension into heaven on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. Jesus had told them, do not leave Jerusalem until you get the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has been with you. He is going to be in you. This is what is so unique. God said that I want you to stay in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now, in all of history of the Bible, certain people had the Holy Spirit come upon them for service. David was one. Solomon was going to be one. Saul was one. The Holy Spirit left him. It had nothing to do with salvation in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was for power. There was a guy named Belazel. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He designed all the articles for the temple and the tabernacle. Another guy for the tabernacle. So the, the bottom line is the Holy Spirit could come upon people to empower them to do ministry like some of the prophets, but it wasn't permanent. Jesus said, I'm going to do something unique. I want you to stay in Jerusalem you're going to come together. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. He has been with you. He will now be in you. And then he says, then the Holy Spirit will teach you. He'll bring to memory all the things I've taught you. He will give you new information. That will be your power. And then he says to him, don't leave. And he tells them in Acts, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses. What is amazing about us, out of all of the people groups in the world, for all the Gentiles up to the Jews, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you've got Jews and Gentiles. The church is the only group that every believer, everyone connected with the church has the Holy Spirit living inside them. It's never happened before. We should say, wow, are we lucky. We are. And guess what? We're the first group to have the Word of God completed. When Jesus was on the earth, what, what Bible did they have? They had the Old Testament, the Tanakh. And when Paul was alive, what'd they have? Well, they had maybe, maybe Matthew and maybe Mark. Luke put his together with the book of Acts. That was with Paul. And then Paul wrote some of his letters. He got 13 of his letters. And you had these letters. And then John, and by the time John died in about 95, the book of Revelation, he wrote that. And so it took the whole first century to get the Bible together. And so there were people who lived in the first century, and they just had parts of the Bible. And now we live, and we have what? The complete Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Wow. And guess what else we got? Yes, there's more. <laughs> we, got, we got spiritual gifts. He says, I'm going to give you different abilities 
to go with the power of the Holy Spirit so you can serve me. And you know what a lot of Christians say? I don't care. I don't, I don't even know what my gift is. <laughs> I don't care. You don't care. The God of all eternity has empowered you and given you a gift, and you don't care? Wow. Well, we're almost through. Let me look at the clock. Oh, we got time. Oh, we got a lot of time. Okay, look at this. Jesus says, in the future, I will build my church, and all this happened the day of Pentecost. So do we realize how special we are? Out of all the people that's ever lived on the face of the earth, we not only have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, but it's permanent. When David sinned with Bathsheba, what did he say in his psalm when he was confessing his sin? Oh, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. It had nothing to do with salvation. But he had the power from God to be the king, and he was afraid because of his sin that God might take the Holy Spirit away. What about us? When you sin, does God take the Holy Spirit away? No. When you sin, you're out of fellowship. You confess your sin. You're faithful and ju- he's faithful and just to forgive you and put you right back in the fellowship. <laughs> Holy Spirit will never leave you. Just like he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? Wow. Well, we're not through because look what he goes on to say. He says, I say to you, you're Peter, and upon this rock, I will, future tense, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of Hades, will not overpower it, will not overcome it? What in the world? The gates of Hades, uh, the gates of Hades, Hades and Sheol, by the way, in the heart of the earth, there's a place. And the Old Testament called it Sheol, the New Testament calls Hades, Sheol means place of the dead, Hades means place of the dead. In the Old Testament, there was a good compartment called Abraham's bosom or paradise, on the other side was a bad compartment, we just called it... uh, you know, the place of terror or, 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 you know, bad stuff because they were tormented there. We call it torments. And there was a gulf in between. Jesus Christ, after he died on the cross, paper, sin, rose again, came and took all the believers from the Old Testament who were there in the good side and took them with him. And that's why now to be absent from the body is to be where? And where is Jesus? Seat the right hand of the Father. So we don't go to the heart of the earth. Unbelievers still go to the heart of the earth. It's called Hades. But here's one other thing about it. When a person dies, they either go to be with Jesus or the heart of the earth. But here's what he said, because he hadn't done this yet. He says, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. He's saying, gates of Hades, the place of death, cannot stop the church. You know why? Because Jesus died and rose again, and he paid for sin, and he conquered death. Death's not the end. Death is not the end. In fact, death cannot stop the church. Death is not the end. The bars of the gates of death cannot stop the church. When we die, it is not the end. Death is not the end. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, that, that because of his death and resurrection, the church, the body of Christ, has victory over death. He says that people are going to die, but that's not, that's not the end because I've conquered death. And the, de- the, the gates of hell, people say hell, but it's Hades. It, it's not the lake of fire. He says, it'll never, it'll never be able to stop. It'll never be able to overpower the people who belong to me. And he's talking about the church there because he says, I say, you're the rock and upon this rock I'll build my church and the church, the gates of Hades can overpower what? The church, the body of Christ. Wow. 1 Corinthians 15, oh death, where is your what? 
Sting, oh death, where is your victory? It's not one. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to have a great time? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's called the resurrection chapter. Read that chapter because when you get to the end of the chapter, you should be standing up because it says nothing can stop Jesus Christ. You will die and rise again and death is conquered through Jesus Christ. Nothing can stop it. Nothing. So we'll, we'll have plenty of time for maybe questions, but who do the people say that I am? Well, they think you're Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. Who do you say I am? You're the Christ, the Son, of the living God. Peter's statement sets the foundation for the rest of the passage. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the prophet, the priest, the king, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're the little rock. And upon the big rock, which could be the statement about Jesus Christ or the statement or Jesus Christ himself, whoever, however how you want to take it, he says, I, upon this rock... Either I'm the rock or the statement about me is the rock. I will, in the future, build my church, Jews and Gentiles together in one body, and death cannot stop it. We should be standing up, right? Is this the greatest thing? What did he tell him? Nothing can stop it. I got my body of Christ. I'm bringing them together, Jews and Gentiles, all because you believe in me for eternal life, and I give you eternal life, and nothing can overpower the body of Christ. Nothing can. Wow. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the rock. I, in the future, I will build my church. Let me give you some application just to think about before we go to grow group. Let's understand the different words used for rock in Matthew 16. Because some people may come to you and say, this passage says that Peter is the rock and he controls the church and everybody after him who comes after him controls the, the church. And you could say, no, Peter's not that rock because Peter's the little rock and this is the big rock. Okay, so understand the words. Understand what's there. Second, Let's understand the mystery and the beginning of the church. When was, is the church mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament? No. In fact, I've had people say, they'll go to a pastor and say, there's the rapture, and I go, no, it's not. No, that's the second coming of Christ, not the rapture, because the rapture isn't mentioned in the Old Testament because the church isn't mentioned in the Old Testament, and the rapture only deals with the church, the body of Christ. So understand it, understand the mystery that it's not there and the beginning of the church on the, on the day of Pentecost. And then number three, let's rejoice in the fact that death is conquered by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why the gates of, of Hades, the gates of death, you might could put it that way, because Hades is the place of the dead. He says the place of the dead cannot overpower the church. The dead, that place of death and death can't stop the church. Because what happens to us? We die and rise again. We ask for the body is to be with the Lord. And when he comes back, we're coming with him.